Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Alex Bell. We're going to talk about his experience then and the general experience now about having a local card shop. I had one. Alex had one. It's It was a lot of fun until it wasn't. <laughs> and it wasn't for different reasons. It's just, it's a business. It's difficult. And some of the reasons it's difficult are the macroeconomic conditions of the time. So don't want to make light of the fact that if you have a card shop right now, it's difficult. Hopefully you've got an online presence as well. And if you're a listener, please patronize your local card shop. They need the business. I think it's a lot more fun to buy cards from a person than from an email address or a URL. Again, thanks sponsors, Top Spadini Upper Deck. They supply the card shops with stuff to sell, uh, hopefully. <laughs> and hopefully it'll make it too tough for card shops to get their product. Uh, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, my two card shop sponsors, and then Comsi.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Creating, Beckett Authentication. So welcome, Alex Bell. You mentioned you had a card shop from 85 to 95. Those were uh, some great years, certainly at the beginning. And, and you had mentioned to me that you were interested in maybe some series of the podcast where I had some dialogue with current card shop owners about their experience, what's working for them, best practices and things like that. So let's start, welcome Alex, and let's start with your experience, which am I reflecting that correctly? That it was, it started out good and then times were tough because of a baseball strike and all those other kind of things. That is correct. Uh, glad to be here, Dr. Beckett. Thanks. Thanks again. I did have a card shop in the uh, mid to late eighties uh, into the early nineties. I was uh, one of four card shops in the time, my small little town in Michigan. Plus, we had the uh, the competing flea market every weekend that we had to deal with. And, and that varied from four to eight different dealers uh, within the flea market on any given uh, month, along with uh, the outdoor vendors that would set up, your fly-by-night uh, guys that would come in for a quick weekend to, uh, to sell outside. So being in a small town in Michigan had a lot of competition there for those uh, 10 years. What, what small town were you in? Were you in northern Michigan or, or uh, near Detroit? About an hour north of Detroit on the east side of Michigan. Like Flint? South, uh, in between Flint and, and Detroit and Waterford, Michigan. Cool. Yeah, we had uh, 20,000 card shops, something like that, at the peak. So you had a lot of competition. But it did, that, that sounded like a lot of competition for a small town in Michigan. But, but still, you were doing fine until uh, kind of the, like I said, the macro conditions went against you, as they have for some of the card shops now. So what did you do when times got tough? Did you, it sounded like you added Magic the Gathering or some of those kind of things. But what, what, what did you do that might be of uh, interest to a current card shop? We just did a, a lot of different promotions back then, just uh, drawing folks. Uh, we started doing some gaming on the weekends within the store to, to draw in folks as uh, Star Trek, the gaming was becoming big and Magic the Gathering. So we would have gaming days or gaming nights to, to draw in folks there in the early to, to mid-90s when that stuff was really starting to take off. You're an IT guy. Did you bring any of that understanding or knowledge or that that the, those ideas to it back in those days, or was that premature? No, you're going to test my memory, and, and I don't remember, but we were on one of the original systems where you had to dial in. If you said the name, I'll probably remember it. I thought it had a three-letter acronym. Hey, or, or Prodigy or one of those? Oh, no, this was all for the uh, sports card uh, shops. Where it was almost like a bulletin board. They were posting stuff. They were buying stuff. It was um, a monthly subscription. The dealer net? Uh, is that what it was called? There was one that was more prominent. And I don't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm drawing a blank, but so we were helping with that. Yeah. There was a lot of action on that. And that was a great way to, those were the digital distributors of the day and a lot of action going back and forth. No, we, 
Yeah, that was that was good. And again, it's but what would you do different now if you had a local card shop right now? You wanted me to ask some questions. What questions would you want to ask? Presumably you're not you have a good job. Sounds like you're not interested in starting up another card shop. But what are what are your interests right now? What, what questions would you want to ask? I would think in this day and age, if you didn't have an online presence, it'd be very difficult to, to, to survive. I think having an online presence is probably really critical along with social media. Is I don't even know what to say because I think it's hard to disagree with that. And they're probably, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out if there are any card shops that, that are still around that are not doing that. One of the, gosh, that's just, on the other hand, you have, uh, okay, so how would you handle this? Basically, if you are uh, a card shop, because uh, you're a card shop owner like you were, and if you were now and you get this product in and you have loyal customers that are coming into your store, but and they say, we'd like a box of that. And you say, oh, I just sold it over the internet. Would, would there be a conflict there that, that they'd expect you to reserve some product at uh, perhaps original pricing <laughs> for them? That'd be tricky. Yeah, you have a good point there. You definitely have to take care of your base and, and your loyal customers first. Um, and then, of course, any extra or excess, you have to move it out maybe through uh, through the dot-com right. uh, the different, channel. Different platforms. What about uh, kids? Back in 88 to 95, did you have a bunch of kids? Seemed like you probably had more than they would have had now. Yeah, it was probably a good 50-50 mix, uh, 10 to 20-year-olds and then probably 40-year-olds plus. Yeah. What advice would you have for in the, in the current uh, market to get more kids? into the shops or into the store, into the shows, just into the collecting and dealing experience. Any ideas? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. Obviously, if you don't start the kids off at a young age, obviously they're not going to grow up to be 20, 30-year-olds still collecting and uh, to get them young to grow them through the card collecting phase. Were you intentional back in the day of, of or did the kids just happen to come because it was part of the popular culture of the time? I think more the latter. Yeah. See, that's the thing. If you tell a young person, if you tell a 12-year-old, hey, you need to collect these cards, they're going to say, who are you to tell me what to do? But if they see the big kids collecting the cards, then they think, ah, collecting cards might be cool. Or somebody makes some money, they buy low and sell high and tell their friends. And then, so they, they have to be coaxed into it. They have to observe it. And otherwise, you, and, and frankly, if a dad takes his or mom takes his son or daughter, whatever, to a show or to a shop and says, let's buy a pack. Let's open it up. Let's see what the experience is. Let's look up what the cards go for. Let's trade. Let's let's have a an experience. Then I think people are looking for experiences. And if it's experience that's enjoyable and you can make some money, what's not to like about that? And I think maybe one way today to get the younger clientele in, into the hobby is maybe some of these larger manufacturers, if they had some better store displays at the retail level, whether it's at the Targets, et cetera, where, where maybe the moms and the kids are walking by and they have this really dynamic, maybe area in the store where it's a bunch of packs, correct? They have that right now. They have these areas where the cards are in the Walmarts and the Targets that are empty, <laughs> except for stuff that's, you know, so the problem is if you put out some cards, because some of those blasters would be more affordable for kids, but they're gone and they're not being sniped by little kids. They're being taken off the dock by big kids who perhaps should know better. And frankly, some of them, and again, I'm not going to throw card shops under the bus, but there's some card shops that'll go to the local Walmart and say, I got to have product. And uh, hopefully they're not doing underhanded means to, to get them. It's tough to have kids with an entry point if they can't go to the mass market uh, retailers 
back in your day, my day, they were in the supermarkets. You get yeah. cards at the supermarket, you get cards at the gas station, you get cards at the five and dime. And now it seems like most of the card companies are direct to consumer. That's and, and it's dollars. It's not hundreds of dollars necessarily. You get you get in and you can, you know, pick your player, send off and get it a few weeks later. Is that going to be a way to do the uh, one one other thing, uh, Alex? I was thinking: Is it has the hobby changed? If, if you because you have then and you have now, and I have then and I have now, but it seems like it's no longer a hobby of quantity; it's a hobby of quality. Correct. Back in the day, when you had a card shop, you probably had I don't know tens of thousands of cards, whatever. But you probably had a lot of cards because I know when we had our shop in the seventies, we had a lot of cards. Now it's not; people are not looking for a lot of cards. They're looking for a few great cards. And I think it's promoted that way. But again, that works against the kids who you could give a kid a box of cards that didn't have a lot of value. But as soon as they found out eh, that never much value, they're going to want the ones that the big kids want. They're going to want the slabbed cards. They're going to want the ones that they read about. They want rookie cards because they're smart. They pick up on that. And it wasn't just having the four major sports back then. It was also stocking all the non-sports cards. Yeah, it was a lot of cards back then. It's lugging things around. I think people don't people don't want to have a it's like people think in the really old days it was like if you have a card collection, well you keep it in your closet. Oh my goodness. By 88, most collectors had outgrown a closet. They were worried about filling their garage. Correct. Now it's come back around to where you can have a little cabinet, I think. Or you could just show like I'm doing, except I, I have more stuff, but you're just showing some cards. And people say, oh, that's nice. And, and you've got your local local heroes of whatever sport. Were you were you a, a multi-sport collector or were you? Uh... I was. Of course, being in Michigan, you know, hockey was really big up there. So had a lot of nice hockey stuff that back then it really wasn't solved after in the mid 80s. So being so close to Canada, a lot of good uh, OPG stuff and Canadian issued hockey cards. But I was just thinking, if you were a dad, or a mom, and you're connect, collect, and you're encouraging your child, boy or girl, to collect. You almost couldn't encourage them to collect cards in general because they're already really expensive. You'd have to say, "Sonny or daughter, you really like baseball or you like soccer, so let's get you some soccer cards because you're interested in soccer. You're playing soccer, and we can track with the players that you get, or baseball or football or hockey, but not all of them. Otherwise, <laughs> you just go broke." And you might need to take it a step further and narrow it down, not only baseball, but then also maybe just a team or a player. Which brings in the breaking aspect where you could go online and you could subscribe to a case or box break that were for a smaller amount of money than the whole box. You could get you could get your the cards of your team. But people, I just, like I said, I really want to make sure that card shops, because we're, we're talking about card shops, that they understand that not everybody comes in with a fat wallet. And hopefully... I don't know that in retailers, they keep track of this metric, but in a card shop, I'd really want to know that to me, the more successful card shops are the ones where if 10 people walk in, nine people walk out having bought something and the 10th one had a good time and a good conversation. But if everything is really expensive and then a lot of people are going to walk in and either be confused or, or, or outpriced. And so I think, but I think many of these card shops have tried to have something for everybody. I'm sure you did. Yes. And in the days that the 50 cent wax packs are over. Yeah. It's almost like we're going to stop now, Alex. But again, I try to turn this into a positive tone, but 
it's almost like the days of 50 cent cards are over. <laughs> which is really sad. So if if the, the parent gives the child a, a dollar bill and says, go uh, spend it on whatever you want at a card shop, the kid not going to have to be very old to figure out, hey, mom, dad, get realistic. And 10 bucks, five bucks, 20 bucks. So anyway, but I, I'm glad that I think there has been some resurgence of kids to some degree, as well as a resurgence of former kids who have grown up and have come back. So that's a positive. Alex, a delight to be with you. And thanks for sharing your experience as a former card shop owner. And as I've said, I really encourage all my listeners to, uh, well, to write in. Alex did. I've enjoyed your your comments, Alex. And, and again, patronize your local card shop because you, you don't want to be appreciating them after they're gone. <laughs> so bring on the good old days. So again, thanks, Alex. Appreciate you being on. And thanks, listeners. The man in-